Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, a show dedicated to helping you actually live the life that you love. I'm your host, Amrit Sandhu, international speaker, global coach, and loving podcaster. As a gift for tuning into this podcast, I have something really special just for you. My premium short course, which can teach you how to meditate in just seven days. You can download it now at www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. That's www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. Learn how to meditate in just seven days. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this powerfully insightful conversation. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the latest episodes launching every Monday designed to help you live the life you love and keep you inspired to evolve. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution and we're back again, once again, with the blessings of Christina Munlikiani. Christina, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> such a treat to have you here again. Uh, for those tuning into Christina, perhaps for the first time, she's been on the Inspired Evolution before. We've been graced by her blessings before. She's a serial entrepreneur, speaker, philanthropist, um, also a mother. <laughs> she's been engaged in the personal transformation space for over 15 years, collaborating, playing with leading thinkers, teachers in consciousness, relationships, human performance, life optimization. And uh, she, in 2009, launched Mind Valley Russian. Um, and she brings all of Mind Valley's best authors and teaching to the Russian speaking market. Um, she co founded Mind Valley back in 2003. Um, she was recently awarded uh, as an influencer for change, one of the top 10 influential people online making a difference in the world today. And just to give you a bit of an idea in terms of what really inspires me is 
when we're online, we often see this version of people, which is kind of, I'm just going to call it dressed up to put it lightly, right? So we see a dressed up version of people. And when you connect with Christina online, and I've got the blessings of being friends with her. And when you, when you rock up, it's, she's beyond raw. She's beyond authentic. It's almost as if she goes out of her way to call herself out on certain things. And I remember the last time we did a podcast, um, it was on uh, the tools for happiness and how to really like dive into that. And it was a great podcast and I'm still really grateful for that. As we left the podcast, I remember walking back to Mind Valley University with Christina and we were having this conversation and you shared, you know what, a big thing that you have found was that people just want to sometimes need permission to be themselves. And I remember you saying that to me. And at the time I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like I was out of place in my journey. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like people just want to be themselves. And recently, um, especially after a podcast I did with um, Marianne Williamson, the lady that ran for president in the States, this whole conversation around self-acceptance really came home to me. Really, really was like, whoa, like, yeah, it really sank in in a really deep way. And as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, this is what Christina was talking about. And so it kind of, the, the penny dropped only 12 months too late, but it still dropped. And Christina's gracious enough to be here with us today. And so a big part of her mission is that reminding us that our greatest potential comes from self-acceptance. And uh, she asked us the question, do we have the courage to rise to our strengths, to our flaws in exchange for true freedom, success, and an authentic life? So such a pleasure to have you here, Christina. Thank you so much. Wow, that was very, um, very deep introduction. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only place we know where to go. It's like shallow is not part of the vernacular over here. Um, but yeah, so where does like where does one begin? I guess the best place for me to sort of start my inquiry is perhaps where did um, like what like where did this come into the frame for you? Like the, the question around self acceptance. When did this become part of your thing? Um. I guess it's always it's always uh, a part or a thing for every single person. It's just that how uh, how deep are we willing to go with that? Uh, we, we 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 are born with with self acceptance. It's uh, somewhere later that we learn to to criticize ourselves. In fact, our society, I think, uh, is uh, to some degree idealizing this uh, being hard on yourself. Uh, we all want to strive for the better, which is cool. But uh, you know, every tool in personal growth requires a, a, a appropriate timing to be applied. So uh, we all came from the 20th century society, and the personal growth started, and, and self help, and and this this whole niche started growing in the 20th century. I guess when we had leisure to actually think about more than just bread, uh, and. Um, and uh, this forceful approach to, you know, let's forge a character, let's forge a human life or, or a human. Uh, it's uh, it's all a part of our legacy from the 20th century where, you know, but with, with any journey, uh, each, steps, each step has to come in its own uh, time. So mm -hmm. at that time, that was what, 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 the society needed that was what I needed I needed also the wake-up call you know do something more with your life but the thing is that our society also idealizes this forceful approach in forging so what happens is that we start we start improving ourselves at some point in life mm. and this uh, constant work on on improving ourselves leads uh, to inevitably leads to the point where we um, we stop 
accepting certain parts of ourselves and it all comes from the best intentions you know we criticize ourselves oh i should i should do this because i'm like this uh, we give ourselves labels and then we want to work on these labels and we think that uh, work on oneself is finding the flaws uh, and improving them uh, and and it just first it comes from good intentions and it's uh, it's necessary but then at some point it starts uh, uh, blocking us from from uh, being happy we might be more successful we might be more efficient more productive more this more that but we are definitely less what we actually are and uh, accepting yourself um, it comes with two steps first step is actually being honest with yourself and that's an interesting thing because if you ask anyone literally anyone i think 99 percent of people will tell you that they are honest for themselves uh, but then if you look and try to look biased, you, you would notice when people lie to themselves. Uh, and I, I'm not calling you to judge people, but uh, it, it, this feeling comes across. It's like, oh, are you being really like truly, truly yourself? The thing with deception is, or self-deception is that you, uh, it, its nature is that you don't realize that you're doing this to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, as I said, we do it out of the best intentions. We say, um, you know, I'm lazy, I should wake up earlier, or I should be more organized, I should be more productive, uh, I shouldn't be so, you know, in the clouds, dreamy. And, and it's all out of best intentions. But, you know, um, I was once um, interviewing Marissa Pira and I asked her about this dialogue in your head, and we have to control our dialogue in, your, in our head. But mm. on the other hand, we have to be honest with ourselves. And she said, if you are prepared to tell a lie, then pick the lie that you're going to say. And to say that I'm lazy is a lie because it's not fully truth. Maybe you are uh, feeling uh, out of energy at the moment or, or you're not um, fired up and motivated at the moment, but that doesn't make you lazy. So you are lying in essence, but you can choose the lie or pick the lie. Are you going to say that or, or are you going to say something different? Uh, so here, here's what I'm trying to drive at is that we, this dialogue in our head, that is what uh, leads us uh, to have a very interesting picture of ourselves. Mm -hmm. A picture where there is a picture of perfection, that's what I want to be and that's what I'm striving to be and that's how I want to appear in the world. And then this critic in, in, on the other side that keeps telling you that, no, 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 you're not bad, you have to work harder, you have to do better, you have to be, go deeper, you have to do this. Uh, and um, yeah, that's, that's, I guess, what, what we all uh, eventually go through. <laughs> and at some point, uh, we end up uh, being so deep in that hole that we even forget what we are. Uh, we deny ourselves uh, our flaws. Uh, and <clears throat> here, you know, I had a conversation uh, just a few days ago with one Russian, interesting Russian guy. He's an indigo child, super... Uh, philosophical and mm. wise uh, young person mm. uh, and I asked him that I said why why we why is it so hard to be honest with yourself uh, is mm. it because we are afraid afraid that if we go deep enough we'll have to face things that we don't like uh, the flaws in our characters the things that we don't want to accept and that's why it's so hard and his answer was so brilliant he said but why do you even judge it as something bad why do you go there with a judgment that this is a flaw that this is bad why don't you just accept that this just is and it's you mm. 
mm. and that transition of uh, of, of uh, from being critical to just acknowledging what it is 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 the hard thing uh, and uh, analogy that uh, I like is um, you know can you love yourself like you would love your own newborn baby who mm. can do whatever they like they want to burp they burp they want to excuse me poop they do mm. and with all that smear all over them you still love them unconditionally mm. totally can you love yourself with the burp and the poop on you mm. i'm really sorry for this funny uh, no it's analogy. great it's analogy but but that's the thing is that we always we always try to improve ourselves and because i was a model student i studied really well and i was uh, I, I still am the only daughter so of course i had this desire to do things properly and not to make mistakes uh, of course by the age of 40 i was uh, so deep in that hole of uh, of how to improve myself that um, I, I really don't know what triggered triggered the journey back but i guess at some point i was tired of feeling ashamed for what mm. I am. You know, when you're just feeling shame for what you are, you understand this is what you are and you can't change that. With your best intentions, you just can't. And you're so ashamed of that. At some point I said, you know, it is what it is. And I, I, <clears throat> I refuse feeling shame. I guess that's where the journey starts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Thank you so much for sharing that. And just to be, um, just to dive into the conversation, there are so many questions that emerged for me out of that, but you mentioned there are two places to begin. One was being truthful and honest with yourself. Um, mm -hmm. which, yeah, there's a whole, yeah. I struggled with depression for quite a while um, long back then. And those listening in kind of know my story. Um, but yeah, the the thread to the root of the actual, my, depre my depression was a lack of honesty. Um, and a lack of honesty with self was one of the hardest things to forgive myself for. But I had to start and that was a massive part of my journey. But you, we didn't, I don't think we got around to the second piece or maybe I missed it. What was the second piece? So the first place. Oh, yeah. The first one is being honest. And, mm. and it's, you know, the first step is like um, taking a, a, a mop and cleaning up your mirror so that mm. you see yourself clearly in it. The second step would be uh, accepting what you see. It's, it's that yeah. baby analogy. You know, are you... Yeah. Can, can you love yourself with everything that you see? Not despite, but with it. Mm. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> that choice of words is very um, not despite, but with it. Yeah, like actually learning to embrace the flaws. I think um, there's this real 
uh, gooey place that we're sort of touching on this conversation, um, which, yeah, is the reason I, like a big part of how I've come home to self-acceptance is personally being in personal development for so long. Um, there's been this energy of striving, striving and achieving, striving and achieving, striving and achieving, and consistently doing more and just a little bit more and just a little bit more. And not necessarily getting to the point of burnout, but getting to a point where it's like, how much more must a man do? <laughs> you know, and it's just gotten to a point where it's like, actually, why are you doing, you know, and are you okay just being? And when I check in with myself, it's like, yeah, my being's doing great. And then when I take time to just be, I'm like, oh, when I paused and I reflected, and this happened last week, I was like, I haven't read a fiction novel since I can remember. And I was like, oh my God, I love fiction. And it's like, why don't I give myself permission to do something that I love? And it's like, well, there's this guilt associated to it. If I'm not reading a nice little novel, then it's like, hey, you should be doing it focusing on personal development. You should be reading a fiction, like a nonfiction novel, something that's helping you grow, helping you evolve. And I was sitting with this going, oh my God, can I just accept that I love fiction and just accept myself and just lie on the couch and just read a fiction book? Now, it sounds so simple and it sounds so mundane, but there is kind of this rub with, hey, like striving for something. There is like, how do, and I've got this really deep question at the moment around how do I actually go towards personal development without actually striving for something? But I've kind of surrendered that question altogether for the present moment just to learn to accept. Can I, can, can I, I just cannot, I, I will have two answers. So one, yeah. I have to talk about fiction. And the other one, yeah. I'll, I'll answer your question because I know, I, I, I can feel what you, you're asking. asking yeah. uh, so first of all, for God's sake, who said that fiction is not evolutionary? <laughs> Seriously? Seriously, do you know that Dostoevsky, the best Russian author, one of the best Russian authors, was a philosopher. Read any of his books, read Idiot. His, one of his novels, I love it. It's so much more enlightening than most of the nonfiction, which is written in the crappiest language, excuse me. <laughs> I studied in a, in a school where I am a philologist also. Uh, I studied in a, in a school where we learned literature, we learned languages to le read literature in the original language. Oh. So please do not devalue fiction. It's, uh, I dare not. <laughs> you know, no, it's, it's uh, I, I tell you, I'll tell you how, as it is, I read mm. way more fiction than I read nonfiction. It's a torture for me to go through a nonfiction book, mostly because mm. uh, philology is my huge hobby and I cannot stand bad language. As mm. in not, I'm not talking about F words, I'm talking about not beautiful language, yeah, not, clinical, not, not the not nurturing language, but just this dry, uh, well, I, I don't want to say marketing, but a, a little like dumbed down language for, for popular uh, reading. So for me, it's a torture to read nonfiction, most, most of it. Some of it is, uh, is, is well written. Well, before you move <laughs> like, on. Like, I love Susan David. For God, I, I really <laughs> love reading her. Her language is beautiful. I'm going to have to so, get some recommendations from you. <laughs> and uh, I so just want to you can, you can get, uh, the thing is that we, we are obsessed with the whole idea that we have to forge and force <laughs> our evolution. You know that every single moment of your life has the 
potential for growth and transformation. The question is not whether you're reading a, a textbook or, or an academic book, or you are interacting with your niece or nephew. You have potential for growth in both. As you said, I said an idea last year that you said, like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. That's what you feel when you read a book. But it was something, some experience that you had with Marianne Williamson that actually drove it home. Hmm. So I have a formula for transformation. Uh, we we uh, overemphasize the knowledge and transformation. And yes, that's why we go for nonfiction books. Okay, if I if I feel like relaxing, let me at least do something which will make me feel a little better because I'm I'm using time uh, you know productively. So we overemphasize the knowledge, but transformation is not just knowledge. If that was the case, everybody who is spending times in libraries would have been amazingly happy accomplished people but it's not the case because knowledge doesn't change your life knowledge is like a book on a shelf it's good to have but unless you take it out read it and, and you know line and, and uh, experience it it's not going to change your life transformation is knowledge uh, or actually experience of life plus uh, plus um, consciousness the thing is that knowledge becomes uh, life-changing when it changes your perspective on life or, or shifts something about how you feel the life. A very uh, common sense um, or a common thing that everybody knows, uh, idea or, or truth, is that happiness is within. Mm. And I, I talked about it probably last year. Mm -hmm. if, if, you, if you tell yourself happiness is within me, it's in my hands, it's in this moment, in the moment when you're worried for someone that you love, Mm. Someone who is sick, someone who is missing uh, or, or is out there in danger. It, this knowledge is not going to change anything about your state of being in the now. You will keep being worried and the knowledge doesn't change anything. It's when you experience what it really means. That's when it's going to change your life. I had this experience years ago when my son was uh, in the surgery and that I, I was waiting for one and a half hours for him to get out of surgery. And if I was chanting the whole one and a half hours happiness is within me, it wouldn't have changed my state of being, mm. not for a moment. But a few months later, I was in a car and I heard the song that made me feel young again. I felt like 18, like I was careless. And then suddenly I felt what it meant. I realized that as long as I have myself, my emotions, my brain, my uh, understanding, common sense intact, I'm going to be okay through any problems. It doesn't mean I have to be okay in the moment. I am going to be okay if I have me. So happiness mm. is within me, but it doesn't mean that I have to go back within me every moment when I feel unhappy. Some moments require you to be in the unhappy in the moment and, and running back inside and trying to find that happiness there at all costs is, is counterproductive. So that's the difference between knowledge and experience. Knowledge mm. is not going to change your life. Your experience is what's going to change your life you can read uh you know a shelf of smart books but if you haven't experienced your life in a different angle this shelf of smart books is not going to change anything in your life you might might have read before you made your first million you might have read half acre cover to cover robert kiyosaki cover to cover understood consciously what they meant but still not having felt that abundance without having anything in your hands and until the moment that you feel that, you experience that, not just know, but experience that, that knowledge is not changing anything. So this is thing number one, knowledge to experience. Experience transforms you, not the knowledge, but then mm. experience transforms you in 
either to the better or to the worse. Experience has potential for growth, but it has potential for trauma. Mm -hmm. Every single experience in life has this to, to, it's a fork. So what makes a difference is experience with a consciousness Mm. or the framework. That's where the knowledge is. You get experience, but you also get the proper framework to go through this experience in the way that even if it's, uh, if it's painful, it's going to make you better on the outcome because the, the biggest lie that uh, our society tells is that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's not true. Mm. This is so not true. What, uh, what doesn't kill you has the potential for you to either become stronger, to become traumatized. Because if you look around, what, what are all our problems coming from? It's from the experiences which traumatized us in the mm-hmm. past, which gave us not the strength, but the weakness. There is experience. Yeah, it might, uh, what doesn't kill you might grow a thicker skin on you. Yeah, that might be the case. But the thing is that sometimes traumatizing experiences make you less of you. You mm-hmm. are afraid to love. You are afraid to express yourself. You are afraid to be honest. You are afraid to be, to be courageous, to do things you don't know. And, and you grow a thicker skin and you say, I'm stronger. No, you're just more, in, uh, more deep inside and hidden from what you really are. So uh, what doesn't kill you doesn't make you stronger. So I, I got so carried away by, by trying to explain that, no, person, personal growth is awesome. It's, it's uh, pure essence knowledge. It's, uh, it's the framework. It's uh, the things that you, you, you know, it's like the law book. Uh, yeah. we, we all know how to behave in society, but there is also the legal body that, uh, that regulates our society. So mm-hmm. personal growth is like this. It's, it's pure laws and rules <laughs> with a little bit of, of juice to make it a little more interesting. But fiction, especially, especially classical fiction written by people who knew how to tell a story, mm. that, that's tough has actually, apart from that wisdom, has also uh, the the story, the experience to go with. Mm -hmm. So you can read a book and experience something that you will never have the experience of in life, in your real life, and and get the transformation from that way better than from from personal growth, dry personal growth books. So please don't devalue fiction. Yeah, I got you. That I forgot to answer. Was <laughs> we were talking about the um the rub between basically striving. Oh yes, for something yes, yes. And, I remember and being, yeah. So that question was asked of Marissa Peer, who is known for her phrase uh, "I'm enough." Mm. And one of uh, one of our video guys asked her, "But Marissa, if I tell myself I'm enough." am I not going to be just lying on the bed thinking I'm enough? I don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. And Marissa's answers, answer was like this. Uh, I'm, I'm quoting Marissa. It's not my wisdom. She said, you know, you're lying on the sofa and not doing anything, not because you think you're enough. It's because you think no, you're not enough and you're afraid to go out and do something new. When you are completely content mm-hmm. with what you are, mm-hmm. that's when you have the courage. What is vulnerability? Vulnerability is when you have the courage to show the world what you are, without knowing what their reaction is going to be. Mm. So if you accept yourself fully, you have the courage to go and, fu- and, and express yourself fully. If there are things you're ashamed about, when you go out, you're going to try to hide those things and you're not going to play full out. You're not going to be 100%. So it's, it's a huge misconception that you only can become better if you know what's wrong about you. You can become better if you know what's good about you. 
and go and work with that. You know, it comes from schools because I was a, a straight A student and I know how it works. Mm. My, when my parents came to school, they were told, okay, so Christina is good with this, this and this subject, but she, should, she needs to put a little more effort into chemi chemistry. I was terrible at chemistry, honestly. Because what was the concept in childhood? To be brilliant, to be good, you have to be good at everything. And mm. to be good at everything, you have to work on things which don't work out for you, which are hard for you. So yep. we equate success with sweat and blood. And only if I put sweat and blood and I put resistance into the process, only then do I deserve my success. Mm. But what if when my parents came to school and they were told, you know, Christina is so good at mathematics. Why don't you look into more ways of challenging her in mathematics? Mm. So when you accept yourself and you're fine with yourself, with everything that you have, then you have the courage to go and do what you you're good at and actually be even better at what you're good at rather than working on things you're not so good at to be all-rounder or I don't know what where, why why do we think why do we even ex uh, equate success to resistance there are two states in our where we, we can resist and any unpleasant emotion be it fear pain it's resistance it's usually when we contract and there's flow that's when when you are truly genius when you're truly divine and not out of this world it's not when you resist it's when you flow mm. christina the question that's coming thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> one of the questions that's coming through for me is i'm drawing on the context of we're talking about schooling and education and it's not lost on me that you co-founded an amazing education platform in mind valley and we're talking <laughs> here about um one of the things that's coming through for me is um, just the competition that is available in school um, and how that drives us. Like I, not too dissimilar to you was, yeah, you know, did really well academically at school, touch wood. Um, but a lot of that was driven by wanting to be the best. Um, and I remember that potentially some of that stirs on, um, brings out some of the best in you. But sometimes it necessarily, I'm not sure if it always did bring out the best in me. There were certain things that I think I could have explored um, that potentially I didn't because they weren't taught to me as being valued by society. We talk about the language, you know, Mind Valley Tribe here talking about the values of the culture scape. Um, some of the things like now I like I've borderline live for music <laughs> and I know you have a big passion for it too. Um, mm -hmm. But back when I was at school, it was just like, mate, maths science english languages just double down go hard don't worry about the instruments don't worry about you know um these kind of softer skills on the side um they're not mm -hmm. going to get further ahead in life um and now i've kind of come home to making more and more music and there's a whole journey of self-acceptance in music as well which is like does this sound good shut up just keep playing <laughs> but um mm -hmm. but yeah do you do you feel that perhaps something in the education system leaves um uh, there is a bit of a rub against self-acceptance perhaps in some of the the wider paradigms within which we're, the broad stream, the mainstream paradigms within which we're educated? Oh, definitely. Um, I had this one funny interview where the interviewer asked me, so you're successful and happy. How did you do that? And uh, my own answer surprised me. I said, you know, the uh, the truth is that I was lucky because my idea of happiness coincided with society's idea of success. Mm. So 
I am naturally an ambitious person. So for me, there are different ways of being successful or being the best. Mm. Uh, so in school, the easiest way to be the best is to uh, get all, uh, all excellent marks. I was uh, educated in Soviet system, so our marks was, di was different from the, the Western world. Uh, but uh, we had this thing that if the last three years, uh, my marks were only excellent, only excellent, mm. not one below excellent mm -hmm. i would get a golden medal which i did mm -hmm. and um and it's three years it's not it's not a it's not a sprint it's a marathon yeah and it, it was the success measure but you also have to understand i was born in the soviet union where uh self-expression was very limited to very few areas you could mm -hmm. uh self-express yourself mostly through academics because that was allowed but there was no um no uh, entrepreneurship no um, you know, you couldn't do anything on your own. You had to be part of the big system. So uh, my, my choices of uh, excelling were very limited. And I uh, did what was uh, society's idea of, of being successful, studying well. But in school, theoretically, you could be the best at uh, being the best musician and being the best athlete at being the best debater at being the best in math at being the best in literature. There are so many ways, but not, not just the best marks, but actually truly geniusly the best you know compete in the state level or whatever mm -hmm. there are so many ways of expressing but uh, as children we are giving these um scenarios of what it means to be successful in the society and every society has a slightly different scenario but uh, in general broad terms they would be the same so i'll give you the scenario that was given to me as i was a child mm. and uh, they're given by the society because that's how society like society generally has very uh, unilateral opinion this person is successful this person isn't so it's kind of uh, wisdom of crowds and then of course parents will tell you the same because they want you to be happy and our idea is that success equals happiness but it's only the truth if, it, if it's like in my case your idea of happiness <laughs> is the same as society said the idea of success but mm. for most people it isn't mm. uh, so, so uh, that was uh, the scenario that was given to me study well get good grades go to good university uh, to uh, do a good degree uh, find yourself the future partner in the university because uh, Soviet Union was a slightly, you know, younger, people needed to be younger to get married. If, if you don't get married in university, you don't get married. But mm. marriage was part of it. You have to get married and you have to have at least two children and you have to have a good apartment and a summer house and a car <laughs> and uh, go on vacation to the seaside in summer. I, I knew it because that's mm -hmm. how people the formula, were, the template, yeah. <laughs> people were described, yes. And I was on the path. <laughs> that mm. that's the thing but fortunately my natural uh, inclinations uh, coincided with what society considered being success i love to speak on stage it's easier for me to be perceived successful because i have the limelight and people know me i do i love giving interviews and it's easy mm. for me to be perceived success, perceived successful because i have certain amount of followers on instagram and so on and so on uh, so my what what i enjoy doing is what society considers a success and that's mm. why people would say i'm happy and successful at the same time but if i enjoyed being introvert if i enjoyed programming if i enjoyed um if i enjoyed uh let's say well, I love actually astronomy, but but trying to figure out what is the dark matter, uh, which you know, which is most of our universe, and mm. and try to figure out the formula, and was deep in that, then maybe I would be considered successful if if I got the Nobel Prize for my huge discovery. But any other 
any other um, achievement without the Nobel Prize It'll would have been unhappy. widely considered a success, but in my life, I would have been happy. Mm. Mm. So if we separate the idea of what society considers a success from what I, makes me happy, then we might be doing totally different things than what we are doing right now. And if you had enough in your life to cover all your needs and music is what makes you feel light and happy and you devoted all your life to that, you don't know what you would have achieved. You just mm. have never tried it. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I think, thank you so much for so eloquently sharing. Just, um, yeah, just the way you describe that with luck is really profound. Um, <laughs> and I think, no, it, it truly is. I think it, it, um, it highlights just, yeah, just perhaps some of we can't necessarily say that I wouldn't go as far as saying society is unfair and potentially that I probably should step into the courage to be able to say that um but there is that yeah like we value a certain thing and if you fall within the categories of like for me speaking is everything and I love it too and you, like you like I'm reflecting literally in the mirror of what you shared and I was like wow I never really realized just how yeah like just the grace um, touch wood of just how much of a blessing that really is that the things that I love doing generally are what are you know perceived as valuable by society for face merit straight off the bat you know it doesn't and um, one of the things that actually also dropped in for me while you were sharing I almost felt like I was in a therapy session which is pretty intense and I'm going to embrace my vulnerability and share that with um, with yourself and everyone tuning in here is as you were sharing that when we we're talking about schools and academics and I realized, you know, being such a, such a good student helped me thrive. I was, I've been doing um, some work on the self-acceptance stuff. The place that I decided to start was a book by Tara Brack called um, Radical Acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's been a real game changer for me. Um, one of the key places that just to reflect back to you is mindfulness um, has been a massive part of my life as is meditation. And her, she has this one meditation where she invites you to sit in, And as things emerge, instead of just observing them, which is my natural propensity with my meditation background, she says, feel them and then say yes to them and just allow them. And as you allow them, they sort of shift and move. So for example, if you see your shame, you can kind of feel it um, and see it and sit with it. Now, just to open up a parenthesis here, she kind of talks about how there's generally two spiritual paths accepted by as a blanket kind of rule of thumb, not that there are infinite spiritual paths. Um, but she says there's kind of this one path where we kind of look at like what is pure and just drive towards it and your shame, your guilt, all these things are to be shunned and just keep focusing on like what is pure and what is holy and what is sanctified and keep going for that. And perhaps celibacy might even fit in one of those conversations. So it's quite a broad spectrum of people that fit into that. Um, but even as I'm sharing that with you, I'm kind of realizing just like the phallic kind of nature of it. It's a bit more masculine, right? There's this other, there's this other like approach, which is what she invites into for acceptance, which is, Hey, like you can, you can look at your guilt. You can look at your shame. You can look at your shadows and these things. And there's an invitation to look at whatever that is representing and seeing if you can really be with it. Like this is what your life is emerging um, and holding space for you for. And if you can just go in through it, perhaps on the other side, like, you know, do you have the courage to rise to your strengths in exchange for true freedom? And on the other side, perhaps there is freedom waiting there on the other side for you. And it's been really huge just sitting with my emotions and just sort of going, okay, what is it that you want to show me? And yeah, like, I'm not going to like just toss you away. I'm actually going to go full exploration into what you are. And um, one of the things that consistently has been coming back and back and back for me is actually this guilt. 
and I sit with a lot of guilt and I was trying, like, I haven't really asked the question of where it comes from. And um, I just in your sharing realized actually where it came from when we were talking about schools and a big part of it, the drop-in was it came from me coming from an immigrant family. My family was from India living in Australia and I went to a really touch wood, like uh, an incredible private school. Like mm-hmm. probably like if they didn't have, if they didn't have only one child, they probably couldn't have afforded such a thing. Um, and so they were, I was hyper aware of just how much of their energy was spent on me going to the best school possible. Mm-hmm. And the guilt that was associated with like, okay, this is like an amazing opportunity for someone for me. I shouldn't be deserving of such an opportunity because I have an immigrant family. I should really make the most of this. And that gave me the opportunity to strive. And so that pushing for more and association with that guilt, I just had that realization. So thank you for those blessings. (laughs) You know, as you were telling, um, and I want to say straight away that uh, depression is a very complicated topic, which uh, I cannot comment uh, professionally, Mm. but I know when I had my uh, darker moments in life uh, Mm. and uh, the the idea that, um, that helped me a lot. And as I was listening to you, this idea just kept, kept uh, pounding in my head was, uh, it's not the stress that's da- that's bad to us. It's the stress about the stress. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's, it's, it's called, um, well, I don't remember what it's called actually. I think it's called secondary stress, but the, 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 uh, the, that, that idea liberated me because, um, coming from personal growth and being perfectionist, well, recovering perfectionist, when I was getting into that path of being upset about something and stressed about something, I would get so stressed about feeling this because I would think, oh, I shouldn't feel like this. Oh, I should do something with this. Oh, I should get out of that because I'm the person who goes on stage and talks about happiness. How can I do that? And then when I read that idea, I thought, okay, that's awesome. So I had a, a fairly long period of time when I couldn't sleep well at, at night. And if you've had a sleepless night, you would know how it is. You wake up in the middle of the night and then you are worried that you're not asleep. Yeah. And that worry keeps you awake. Here we go on the cycle again. (laughs) So so when I read this idea, I was suddenly, okay, that's what I feel. And I stopped worrying about what I feel. Mm. Oh, okay, I woke up, I'm sleepless. Mm. And I stopped worrying about being sleepless. Mm. And I stopped judging it, right, wrong. It's just, okay, I'm sleepless. And that that um, thing where I, I denied myself the worry about the worry and could dedicate myself to what I feel rather than worrying about what I feel, that actually is when things started moving. Because you are stuck in your uh, thoughts and feelings and judgments about your emotions. And I was talking about dark times and worrying and and sleepless nights, but it applies to everything. It applies to any emotion that you feel and you judge. The moment you judge your emotion, oh, I'm feeling this, I'm, I'm doing this, I shouldn't. This shouldn't is more dangerous to you than the emotion. Like if you're a loving, enlightened person and you like, you do not like someone for no reason, you start telling yourself, oh, I shouldn't do that. That person didn't do anything to me. What is it in me? You know, what is it triggering in me? This is the mirror. And you go into that weird cycle. And I've been there. That's why I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Into this weird cycle of, of, of turning everything against you. But actually, if you just cut off this worry about worry and just Mm -hmm. say that, wow, I dislike this person and I don't know why. Mm. And that's it. And suddenly this emotion moves and 
the dislike turns into something else and then into something else. And rather than fighting, fighting that emotion, initial emotion, you just allow it to be and it, and it changes. And Susan David, I've mentioned already once, but she has this brilliant uh, idea or wisdom, which is, uh, is liberating. She says, stop judging your emotions. Don't judge them, good, bad, right, wrong. They just are. And if you understand that there are emotions you want to have more of and emotions you want to have less of, and it, you want to have more of, it doesn't mean they're good. You want to have less of, it doesn't mean it's bad. You just, yes, this is emotion and uh, I'd prefer not to feel it often, but I don't judge it. Mm. So that, that idea is very liberating in my opinion. Yeah, I love that. And what's coming up for me in and around that is the query of, and I just would like to explore this for those listening in, what if we start saying yes and open our curiosity to some of these things that seem bigger than our capacity to manage? Like, what if my guilt is bigger than me? <laughs> I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. <laughs> is there such a thing? Have you found someone to have such a thing? Is that where support mechanisms lie? You know, I'm a, I'm a woman and uh, I think I have strong intuition and I think that comes with uh, enormously strong emotions, stronger mm. than most people feel. Mm. So uh, it's, I, I haven't thought about that. So I'm inventing an answer right now. <laughs> but what I think what I think it is, is that emotion can be bigger than you when you resist it. Mm. But if you, it's, um, I, have, I have this friend who is um, a diver, a free diver. She has a few world records, like an amazing woman. And the way she describes how she goes into the ocean uh, and how she surrenders to, uh, to, to this uh, environment and that's the only way to survive. She's a free diver who is like Wim Hof, uh, Russian uh, woman version of Wim mm. Hof. She's uh, dived in Antarctica with uh, belugas and, and gone under ice. Oh, and, like, crazy, wow. Crazy things. And I asked her, uh, how, how do you, because I, I'm afraid of water. And she said, you know, I'm also, I was also afraid of water. And I asked how she does. She said, you know, when you are in that, um, well, in Russian, there's this beautiful word. I don't know how to translate it, but it's this enormity. It's, it's this enormous entity, which is so much bigger than you. All you can do is surrender to it and trust it. So that's with our emotions. We, uh, it touches us a little bit. And the emotion itself, yes, it is that enormity, which is bigger than you. And if you resist it, it it's like... It's like a huge universe, which is about a, a huge boulder, which is about to roll over you. Mm. But if you surrender to it, then it can, you know, it's, it's, it's a strange thing. It's like God is good, but we are also goticals. Mm. I mean, God is big, but we are also part of, part of the goticals. So maybe, maybe this huge entities, once you surrender to them, they become a part of you. And then they are simultaneously massive and simultaneously small. <laughs> wow. What you're sharing for me, um, what I'm reconciling as you're speaking in this conversation is actually the enormity of death mm. and how mm. potentially this conversation of self-acceptance and the acceptance of the enormity of some of these energies and potentially the, the enormity of that biggest challenge that we all go through that maybe doesn't even have to be a challenge. It's another label, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> but um, 
one of the one of the things that's been most profound for me is the quality of awareness as you start to accept yourself your actual awareness like your conscious awareness of things starts to shift um it's quite palpable but it's quite indescribable um for me to yeah like i often liken mindfulness as kind of there's two ways to it like the there's the panorama like you keep expanding the panorama so you expand your consciousness but you're also increasing the 1080p to the 4k and you're getting more detail as well so that's kind of like what mindfulness meditation does for you but um i feel like perhaps in the panorama and there's me giving an attempt to sign of try to describe it like giving acceptance to things that potentially lodged in certain gray areas in the panorama that are blurred out that when you say yes to them they start to expand and move and they move out of the frame and then your awareness mm. actually feels broader it's really the only way i can really describe this um or an attempt at describing it and yeah i can sort of feel that even that like the 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 magnitude of potentially approaching death with acceptance um, and just how much you know, potential there is in there. You just, you, you just reminded me of a joke that my dad used to say when I was a small, he said, you know, that in the earth, there is another earth and it's much bigger than the one that we see. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it's, it's a joke of course, but I sometimes think that, you know, every, every atom is the universe in itself and the mm -hmm. universe is an atom and something. So this big and small, it's, in, in my opinion, it exists uh, simultaneously. But you touched upon a very interesting topic, which is death. Mm. And here, <clears throat> it's been interesting to me as well. I think here, I have a sociological uh, idea about our relationships with death. Mm. And, <clears throat> sorry, uh, I'll, I'll explain a little bit from the far. Uh, I took my kids to a safari in Africa because I thought it's so cool. To, for, for Isn't to it see. one of the best experiences ever? I love, I, yeah. I, I, we love I it. wanted them to see the animals in their natural habitat. Mm. And then we went to Tanzania to, to Serengeti and um, I was shocked. And that, that wasn't my first safari, but I was shocked because suddenly I discovered all the carcasses of uh, zebras and wildebeests and occasionally some other animals, elephants. And my first reaction was, um, oh God, my daughter is three years old. Oh my God, how do I explain all of that? And then there are vultures eating the, the carcass. And, um, and then I suddenly, I, I suddenly realized that we contemporary society have separated ourselves so far from the most natural part of, uh, of any life that we are uncomfortable even witnessing it, let alone um, accepting it to be part of our lives. And by that, I mean uh, people that we love dying or ourselves dying. And <clears throat> I also like to go to the Amazon and uh, their, um, their relationship with death is much closer because uh, they die younger, they die for, for reasons which, which are, well, not the case in, in the Western uh, developed world mm. uh, and they see it because there is no no place to to run away from it from to hide and uh i'm still exploring this topic i'm, I'm looking for some scientists and philosophers and psychologists to dis discuss that a little deeper mm. because i have a feeling that we as human beings have separated ourselves from the concept of death so far away that we are uncomfortable with any expression of that and I think that the surging uh, rise of uh, people being phobic about death, so scared that it paralyzes them, uh, is also part of this separation. And the last exam example is probably the most controversial because uh, I am uh, a meat eater. Mm. 
And I know there's a huge discussion about uh, vegetarianism and, and, and that, and I took my children fishing. And of course I got uh, slammed for that because how can you kill innocent uh, beings? Uh, but the truth is that humanity in uh, its, uh, well, in, in its vast majority and for the vast uh, stretch of human history has been uh, killing animals for food. Mm. And now we, uh, we are so uncomfortable with that, we can't even, um, we can't even uh, comprehend how, how is, it, is it okay to kill an animal for food? Mm. Uh, or is it not? Uh, is it uh, we, yeah for me when we explain i don't want to talk about vegetarians what i'm talking uh, the only thing i'm trying to say is that we as humans are so uncomfortable with death any expression of that and i'm talking to people of course there are a lot of vegetarians who have chosen not to kill animals and that's a different discussion but the, mm -hmm. the, the thing is that there is meat in the shops and people go and buy it and they are uncomfortable seeing an animal being killed mm. yep yeah, what comes up for me in and around the conversation of death when you share it about meat eating as well is I have this romanticization, let's call it that, with kind of what I imagine the Native American to be like when they when they you know, when they kill a wolf. Yeah. Like they 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 pray, they take it, and then they eat the meat, but they also use the bones for all their tools. They use the, the, the fur for all their warmth. And there's a real honoring of the life and the blessing that was bestowed upon them. Um, I think potentially us being disconnected from the actual act of taking a life and consuming a life perhaps has some sort of, you know, there's a lack of honor in there, and but like that some people feel that disconnect. And perhaps, I don't know, I'm just exploring that in this conversation. Um, I, do, I don't have the answers to that, but that, uh, that what you mentioned about death triggered that uh, whole train of thought to me mm. as well. Because, and, and the thing with the disconnection is, is that that's where the disrespect starts coming. Mm. That's why we mm. can toss away animal, uh, pieces of animal who has given life for, exactly. for us to, to be... To, to sustain, to keep on living. And, and that disconnect is shown in so many areas. We, are, we, we don't know how to survive the death of a loved one or when somebody we love loses someone they love. Mm -hmm. We are scared of our own death. Mm -hmm. uh, we uh, want to believe that we don't harm anyone, but we keep uh, harming the planet and killing animals for food, which I actually don't condemn, but uh, it is a, a huge moral question for a lot of people. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting piece to the puzzle in terms of self acceptance and death and how we've landed at this juncture. We've podcasted. You said there was a few people perhaps that you'd be interested in looking into. One of the people that I podcasted was uh, Stephen Jenkinson. He is yeah. uh, he's uh, he sits with people as they die, basically in transition on, and that's like oh, what yeah. he does. Um, he's really interesting. Um, one of the most fascinating pieces, and you might enjoy this, that he shared is there's a difference between your olders and your elders. And he mm. said, your elders will be able to answer the question. The, like they'll give justified answers to what did you know? And what did you do about it? When they're asked this question, your elders will rise to the top and your olders will not have an answer, but your elders mm. will. And there's another lady here in, Z uh, in Byron Bay. She's an amazing, she calls herself a death walker. And her name is uh, Zenith Virago. And she's one of the happiest people I've ever met. It's a bit zenny, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, and she, um, she says, you know, come to terms with always sitting at a, a seat at your table for death. 
like walk with death, know that you're going to die. And if you can accept, and like now I'm drawing the parallels between acceptance and the conversation she was having all that time ago, like make, like make a place, make a place sitting for death at your table. It's going to come, befriend it, you know? And from there I can see the acceptance with which, um, she she comes to it with and it's interesting even as i'm having this conversation with you today i can see that there are some parts of me energetically that are almost like two magnets trying not to touch you know with this whole acceptance <laughs> it's like death can you really accept you know when it's like war two north poles no not to be accepted and then can i ask you but if you don't accept it what how is it going to change anything well that's the thing right <laughs> but if, I, if i don't accept i think um there's a there's a, the non-acceptance is a piece where it's like out of sight, out of mind, you know? Oh. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. And I think we perhaps all kind of put do this a little bit. This. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, but I think it's like when people were discussing the year 2020, they are like, Oh my God, the uncertainty. But the mm. thing is that year 2019 was also uncertain. Which is <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen in nothing, 2021? Nothing we know, we know what's going to happen in 2021 though. <laughs> It's not about what's going to happen. I, I'm going to quote uh, one of my favorite novels, fiction, by the way, Master and Margarita by Bulgakov. There's this uh, main character who says, you know, human is, um, is mortal. And that would have been half the problem. He's mortal unexpectedly. <laughs> okay, I'll learn to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uncertainty is the name of the game we just were mm. not aware of that and now we are that's the whole difference mm. and i think that drives the conversation home to some point which is useful for even in today's not that the conversation hasn't been useful pardon me uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh useful for even today like especially where we are in this moment in time with all the uncertainty we're sitting with and i'm not surprised least of all when i look into my own system like there is this kind of poetic justice if you will that you know melbourne is in this really interesting place with the COVID and the lockdown and i'm coming to this realization of acceptance when there is such this swamp of uncertainty around us at this time um it's not lost on me that you know there is this invitation and yeah i find myself heeding to the call and yeah i'm just really grateful christina that yeah we had that little moment of drop in when we did um at my valley university and got to have that conversation and thank you for sharing that it really as, um, yeah, you know, all the little water droplets in the cup help the cup overfilleth, um, or perhaps it was a straw that broke the camel's back and <laughs> to finally accept. Um, but, yeah, thank you for, for just the grace and wisdom with which you share yourselves with us all the time, but also today in this podcast. Thank you so much for your time and energy. Um, thank you so much. What you're doing in the world, and, yeah, always a real inspiration. As always, wishing you all the best um, for everything that's coming up as well. Thank you. Yoo! Thanks for listening in to another amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. If you're loving these episodes, make your way across to YouTube, click subscribe. Fresh episodes are launched every Monday with highlights being released throughout the week. Thank you so much. And hey guys, just so you know, a lot of love, heart, soul and work goes into these episodes. So if you could, please leave us a five-star review and comment on iTunes. I love reading your positive feedback. It fans the flames of the passion to continue to create and help you live the life that you love. Thank you so much for your wonderful feedback. 
I can't wait to see you again in the next episode. Big love from Amrit. And remember to stay inspired to evolve. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.